So uh, Jesus lays it out pretty plainly in John 10.10, 10, right? He says, listen, I've come, I have come, that you might have life, abundantly, to the full, overflowing. NLT says, rich and satisfying. The message, the message paraphrase says, a life that is better than you have ever dreamed of. This is the life that Jesus says he promises us. Can you believe that for yourself? Are you living that kind of life? Because it's the life that God desperately wants for you. It's the life that he has for you. A life that is bigger and better than you imagine. A life that is filled with miraculous work of God where he is transforming you. And even though whatever the circumstances that that has, it might be off the rails, that you can still thrive in those moments. You know, I think about like the, the song that we sang leading into this moment, like as a son and a daughter of God, having such confidence of his love that no matter what happens, no matter where we are, our life is so full and rich and satisfying. You want that, don't you? And yet we struggle. I struggle. And here's why I think that happens. You know, if it wasn't for all of the surprises in life, It'd be easier, wouldn't it? Like if life didn't just come at you and, be, and surprise you, if it wasn't for those hard decisions, if it wasn't for those challenging relationships, then I could thrive. If it wasn't for all that other stuff that we call life, life would be a whole lot easier. Then I could thrive. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've, you've experienced it. You're facing some of them right now. Whether it's in your marriage, and you're like, really want this to happen. I, I want more in my marriage, but what do I do? What do I do here? Whether it's in, in, a, in a relationship that you have that's special with a son, a daughter, a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, you're like, what do I do here? God, what's, what's best? Whether it's a strategy at work and in your career, you're like, what do I do here? What's best? What, what's going to help it thrive? Maybe it's in helping a friend that you're like, what's my role in helping my friend who's struggling? Maybe it's even in, I don't know who to vote for this Tuesday. I have no idea, God. What do I do with that? You know? I mean, you might be of the Andrews, you know, I'm, I'm not Republican or Democrat, really. I'm just cynical. Like, that's, when it, that's my real political party. And so, I, you know, you're like, what do I do here? What's, God, what's, how do I vote as a citizen of your kingdom, first and foremost? You felt that, right? Haven't you felt that, that? that same struggle? My tendency, and I bet your tendency is too, is when the pressure comes on in those moments, what do you do? You go with your gut because you feel rushed. I got to decide. I need to decide if I don't decide. And so you just run into it and you make some decision. You hope it's for the best. You go with your gut. I mean, I was raised in a house where my dad's, you know, the mantra, part of the more mantras were, just go figure it out, right? Like you just Go figure it out. And so that's what I do. That's what I've done my life, in my life. Like, just gone and figure it out when a problem comes. And then I wonder why I don't thrive. Because the truth is I'm not living as a loved son and daughter of God. I'm not really going, God, you really do want the best for me. That what you said is true and you promised that I could thrive, that there's a life that's better than I've ever dreamed of, but I'm not living it. And why? Because my decisions matter, and so do yours. 
Like the decisions you make go a long way towards the thriving life that God wants for you when you align with his desires. And when it comes to those moments, we are, we're left wondering sometimes, right? Like, God, I, even if we slow down enough to say, God, I really do want to know what's, what's the best decision here. Where should I go? Where should I plant my feet? When should I slow down? And in all of that, we come to this question. God, I want to know, but sometimes I don't. And I wonder, is that, God, is that you or is it me? Is that you that wants this or is it me? What's going on in my situation? You know, I've, I've heard people say, when we, you hear someone say something like, I, God said to me, and they're like, what do you mean God said to you? Like, did you hear an audible voice? Like, how do you know that God said that to you when it wasn't just the burrito that you ate at lunch? You know, how do you know that it's not just, I want that, right? So I put God's name on it so I could feel better about what I want. How do you know? And that's important. And Jesus describes the same thing when he's talking to a religious leader. John 3, 8, this is what he says. He says, listen, here, here's a story. This religious leader comes and he wants to understand precisely how God works. He's saying, God, could you just explain to me this whole crazy spiritual stuff that you're talking about? Because I don't understand. I understand it in a box. Like, I, I define the box. I live by the box. I know what the rules are, and so everything's cool. But you're saying it's different than that. And this is what Jesus says. He says, listen, you want to know what it's like? Here's, here, here's what it's like. The wind blows, and, and, and you don't know where it comes from when it blows. And you don't know where it's going, and so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, there is mystery. There's mystery. There's, when, if you're trying to follow God and discern His will, there's a bit of mystery because it's not just defined, because your life is unique, because your situation is unique. There's no one rule that's going to apply here. It's why God gives us His Spirit to say, I want to talk to you. When Jesus ascended to heaven and he actually said, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, he told his disciples who are like, Jesus, don't go. We need you here. And he says, no, I need to go because if my spirit comes, then you're going to have the kind of guidance you really need, the kind of counsel you really need, the kind of comfort you really need. So how do we know what to do? And why is it such a mystery? And Isaiah, a prophet who lived 800 years before the life of Jesus, who actually predicted a lot of things about Jesus, he, he describes it this way when he says, when he's talking about God and, and he's saying, this is what God told me to tell Israel. Like, I want you to understand a little bit about my mystery, why it's so hard to understand me. And he said this way, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In other words, God is transcendent. Right? He is so far beyond us. It's no wonder it feels like a mystery to us. He's not like us, we are like him. You understand the difference? It's a big difference. I used to have this poster in my room in college after I came to Christ. I put this poster up, and the poster basically said this one thing. It said, two important facts about your life. You are not God. Wait, there is a God. You are not him. That's what it said. See, my memory fades as over time. College was not yesterday. There is a God. You are not him. So see, this is the thing. I'm okay with God's transcendence because it means he knows more than me. It means he's smarter than me. 
It means he can see what I can't see. And I need that in my life. Because I don't know about you, but I, have, I don't have it all figured out. And I figured out that I don't have it all figured out, which is why I follow Jesus now. Because the truth is, Jesus came, God incarnate, predicted his own death and resurrection, and pulled it off. So you know what? I mean, I can't even predict what I'm going to have for dinner. Right? I can't even predict what I'm going to do tomorrow. Jesus pulls that off, but you know what? I trust him. I trust him, not myself. Because he's proven that he's trustworthy. So, how do we know? This is what it brings us back to. How do we know? So, here's where we come in fortune. There's a follower of, of uh, Jesus who was a pretty smart guy. Um, his name was Paul. And uh, he actually wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament. He actually, what he did was actually take what Jesus said and he explained it and worked it out. He was a theologian, but he was a practical theologian. In other words, he said, listen, all this knowledge and understanding doesn't do you a lick of good if you don't know how it actually works out in your life. If it doesn't actually change your life. So he worked it out and he wrote about it. He wrote to different people about it, different churches about it. He said, I really want you to understand this. And we're fortunate to have a copy of those letters in Romans. And so if you want to follow along today and follow, we're going to be in Romans 12. Um, you pull out this, this thing that says scoop on it. There's an outline in there that you can follow along as we walk through this passage together. We're going to look at Romans 12, and this is one of my favorite passages because in Romans 12, Paul works out this huge question for us of how do I know? How do I know what God is saying to me? How do I really understand God's best for my life? Because he wants us to thrive. We've got to know how do we thrive, God? What's best? How do I discern that? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul says this. He says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. In other words, when you can't decide what you need to decide, don't just go Google it. Don't just go ask for anybody's advice on it. Don't just copy what everybody else is doing because they don't have the insight that God has. This is what Paul's saying. He said, you could just go do what everybody else is doing, but it's going to work out the same way that it's working out for them. If they're not taking advantage of the supernatural insight of God, if they don't see the things and get into God's presence, see it. He says, so here's what you need to do. Instead of doing that, let God transform you into a new person. And what does that new person, what's that mean? He says, get into God's presence and let him change the way you think. Think about that for a second. What does it mean to change the way you think? Think of it this way. If you change the way you think about your family, you begin to see your family in a new light, don't you? If you begin to change the way you think about what success is, what happens? You start to behave differently because you see success differently. So when Paul says change the way you think, he's not saying just like, hey, change your mind about a few things. He's saying change the entire framework of the way you see things. He's saying get into God's presence and see what God sees. See it the way God sees it. That's hard. But that is what helps us discern. Paul says, here's what happens as a result of doing that. He says, if you'll change the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you. 
You want to know what God's will for you is? Do you want to discern God's best? Do you want to live this life that is rich and satisfying? Then get into God's presence because that's where you'll know where God's will is. And you'll discover in that when you begin to see it the way God sees it, and this is our problem usually, right? Like we enter into life and life seems a little crazy. It gets a little crazy for us and we're like, I don't love, man, my life is so hard. I don't like the circumstance. I don't like what this person's doing. I don't, and we complain a lot because we don't see it the way God sees it. We see it through our tiny little window of the way we see it. We can't see the bigger picture. We can't see that person for who God created them to be. And Paul says, if you'll see it the way God sees it, you'll begin to discover the goodness in what God's doing. You'll be able to discover that God's will is pleasing rich and satisfying and full and abundant. Does it sound like Jesus' promise? That's what Paul's working out. He says, you will discover that it's perfect. That word perfect doesn't mean nothing will ever go wrong. That word perfect means wholeness, healing. You'll discover that there's wholeness, that your person becomes more whole when you see what God sees and you begin to walk into it. You will discover wholeness for yourself, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the problem is. See, what what Paul's really saying is here that the key to discovering God's will is to be transformed in his presence. That's what God really desires. Excuse me while I fix the tape on my face, tape my mic back on. There we go. All right, so this is God's desire for us, to be trans, to discern his desires, discern his will, you got to be transformed in his presence. you got to see what he sees. If that's the kind of life you want, you got to rub shoulders with God. And you do this all the time, right? Like, if you want to become better at what you do for a living, what do you do? You go to a conference. You go to a workshop. You get a mentor. You rub shoulders with someone who is greater than you at what you do so you can become better at it. Right? If you want to become a better dad, what do you do? You go get a mentor of someone that you look at in life and go, they're a pretty good dad. You want to become a better husband or wife? You go and get a mentor, someone who you go, man, they really live a more abundant life than me. I want to be mentored by this person. I want to see it differently. You rub shoulders with them. Now, you understand this, that the creator of the universe has invited you into that kind of relationship. You see, If we want to really discover God's will and live this kind of abundant life, then we need to understand that the greatest way to live the greatest life possible is to spend the greatest amount of time with the greatest of all time, and that's Jesus. That's the invitation that Jesus offers us. When he went away, he didn't just say, I'm not here anymore. He said, no, I will be with you in spirit. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to actually channel my life to you, to be accessible so that you can have a relationship with me, so you can be mentored by me, so you can be changed in the way you think by me. That's what God wants for you. The key to being, to discerning God's will is to be transformed in his presence. So when we were looking at this series, I was thinking about different people who I admire their struggle in these areas. And um, I asked Dave Reby, um, who's somewhat at Daybreak, to tell just a, a minute or two insight to all of us about his journey. He's trying to be, he asked me when I asked him, he's like, why do you want me? I, I feel like I struggle so much with the sermon. I said, because I don't know anyone else who has struggled for the length of time, like six, seven years, looking for what God's desire is and deciding not to decide until he discerns. 
I said, I don't know anybody else that struggled that long. I don't do it, right? I just, I just end up deciding. I become way too impatient. But you've been so patient to struggle with this, and you've learned something so important that benefits the rest of us. I said, will you just give us that insight? So this is his insight. Let's watch. For the first 20 years of knowing God, my relationship with Him was mostly characterized by serving other people, studying and reflecting on Scripture, and praying for others and my needs. These are all good things, but activities alone don't lead to a rich relationship with God. Through solitude and silence, I'm learning to live in an authentic relationship with God as a human being, not a human doing. This has meant clarifying my inaccurate images of Him and understanding my identity in Him. God is who He says He is, not who I think He should be. And I am who God says I am, not who I or others may think I should be. In God's presence during solitude and silence, I'm learning to receive His love and to allow Him to do His transforming work to renew my mind, will, and emotions, freeing me to live fully as He desires. Waiting while God does His transforming work has been hard for me during my career transition where I especially need His guidance and would like a full-time job soon. However, God is more interested in renewing me than taking me out of hard circumstances or giving me answers. As my relationship with God has become more authentic, I'm loving others better and understanding that God's will is not about finding His roadmap, but being in full relationship with Him day by day. These things allow me to experience the abundant life God has promised through life's journey. Wow. What an important insight for us to understand that it's not about I need to find all the things that I need to do. It's about going, God, help me to see the way you see. Help my heart to be renewed like yours. Help me to be in your presence because that's where abundance is. I mean, all of those spiritual practices over the last five weeks that we've talked about have all come back to one thing, right? In that verse of John, John 10, 10, right? The first three words explain the whole thing that we need to know about this. We focus on how do I have abundant life because that's what we want, but Jesus says, I have come. It's in seeking Jesus. It's in being in his presence where we're transformed and we're renewed and we see things differently. And we firm up who we are as a son and a daughter of God. We say, you know what? I don't need that thing. I don't have to be defined by that thing. See, a thriving life awaits those who discern God's transforming truth for their lives. See, this is what Paul is pointing to in renewing ourselves. Being in his presence is seeking out, God, what is your truth for me? What do you want me to see? Paul says, Paul says, you've got to know his truth. You've got to be transformed by it. God wants us to understand that, but that we have this problem. And Paul points to it in Romans 12, 3. He says, listen, before we go any further, before you re- if you really want to know how to be transformed by God's truth, if you really want to be transformed in his presence, there's one important pause that I want to, he pushes pause and he says, you need to know this. I need to offer you this caution because if you don't get this, you'll never get that. You'll never truly be transformed if there's, you don't take care of this one thing. And here's what he says, verse 3. He says, because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give you each this warning. Don't think better. Don't think you are better than you really are. 
I want you to go ahead and just turn to your neighbor and tell him that right now. Like just, no, nah, like, hey, don't think, bad, don't really do that. It's not nice. Don't think better that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. So here's what Paul says. If you want a clear picture of God and his abundance, then you've got to have a clear picture of yourself because there is no clear picture of God without a clear picture of yourself. And he says, listen, don't measure yourself by this other stuff. Now, we all do this. We measure ourselves all the time, don't you? You measure yourself by what other people think of you. You measure yourself by what you get accomplished. Now, I was listening to a, a preacher recently, and he challenged, he challenged this with this question where he said, if you really want to know how to evaluate, how you're evaluating yourself, Stop when you introduce yourself and ask yourself, why am I introducing myself right now? It'll tell you a lot about how you evaluate yourself, what's really important. And that, so I started doing that. You know how many times it stops me in my tracks? You know how many times like, someone's like, so we're going to go around the room and introduce yourself, and I'm like, oh, man, like, am I going to step in, like, right? Am I just going to step right into it? What's, what's really important here? Because all the things that come to my head, like, right, hi, I'm Sean. I'm a lead pastor at Daybreak. Well, that says something about importance, doesn't it? Now, I could introduce myself that way, and it just might be a way of function, right? Like, hey, this is how you should know me, just so you know, like, how I can help you or how I can serve you. But we don't always do that, right? We lean on that for other reasons. Even if for things that we think are good, like, oh, I'm so-and-so's dad or so-and-so's wife or so-and-so's husband. Or... I'm nobody special. Every one of those things tells us something about how we're measuring ourselves. And here's what Paul says that's super interesting, is he says, be careful how you evaluate and measure yourself. Not by what you do, not by who you're related to, not by your reputation, not by your popularity, but by your faith. In other words, measure yourself by your relationship with God. That's the only thing worth measuring. It's the only evaluation to see clearly. You need to measure yourself by relationship with God. Now, how many of you, anybody else here wear glasses? Like, you might not have them on now, but you've got, yeah, secretly, you're like a closet glassware like me. I have contacts in right now. But at nighttime, like, I'm like Batman, right? At nighttime, I turn into a whole different person with my glasses. And so here's the interesting thing. I have... I only wear my glasses for about two hours every evening. That's all I wear them for. Now, I don't know how this happens. I clean them before I put them on. I wear them, and somehow, in that two hours, the next night when I get there, and I don't know if they're like the dog licks my glasses while I'm away. I have no idea. I go to put them back on, and I can't see out of them. They are like all smudged up and nasty. You know how disturbing that is? Like when you sit down and you just can't, like, you take your contacts out, and everything's fuzzy, and you have this moment, you're like, I'm going to get my glasses, I'm going to put them on, and I'm going to sit. So, so the views have, like, those of you who have 20-20 vision, you don't know, you've never experienced this, so here's what you need to do. Find someone with glasses and put your, those glasses on. That's what it looks like to the rest of us, right? You're like, I'm kind of dizzy, I can't see. Well, that's what it like, feels like to the rest of us. Like, it's hard to even think clearly when you can't see clearly, right? I had a, I had a friend in high school 
who I, I asked her a question, and she's like, I can't answer that right now. I'm like, why? She's like, hold on. And she digs in her purse, and she pulls out her glasses and puts them on and says, now ask me again. I'm like, what? She's like, I can't think without seeing clearly. I can't, like, you know. But it's true for all of us, too. And here's the thing. Most of us walk through our life on a regular basis with spiritual lenses that are smudged up. Because we haven't paused and done a spiritual lens cleanse, right? We haven't paused with God and said, God, I know I can't see clearly. I know I can't see clearly. That's hard to admit, isn't it? We think we have all choices. I can't, I can't see clearly. Will you clean my lenses here, God? Will you help me to see what you see? Now, one way. We're going to talk about a few ways to have this happen. I'll tell you about one way. In my life, being in the Scripture is so important to me because the Bible has these truths in it. God's truth, actually, the Scripture, people who wrote the Scripture actually referred to the truth that you find in the Scripture as logos. And that word in Greek is the same word that's used for Jesus to say the living truth, the best answers to the most important questions that you'll ever ask. And so I go into the Scripture, and I don't just go into the Scripture, I often have a journal close to me when I'm in the Scripture. So guys, before you revoke my man card, okay, it's, it's like a captain's log. It's not a diary, all right? So when I go in there, right, I write stuff down, and the reason I do that is because I'm forgetful. It's because when I engage with God's truth, I need to make an honest evaluation, and I need to remember it. Because I'm so desperate for the life that God has for me that I'm willing to do that. And I am forgetful. I mean, my wife goes to send me to the store, and literally, she'll say, I need you to get two things at the store. And I'll be like, okay, uh, let, me, let me write them down. She's like, it's two things. I think you're smart enough to remember two things. I'm like, I'm not. Do you want me to come home with those two things or two other things? Like, and she knows this is true. It happens all the time. It used to happen all the time. So I just, she's just like, okay, write them down i got to write stuff down. You, you're forgetful too. Like right? You lose your keys. You forget different things. You want to integrate with God's truth. You know the reason we have notes for you? It's not because we thought you'd like crossword puzzles and fill in the blanks, right? It's to give you space to process the transforming truth of God on a Sunday morning and say, what's God saying to me? What's important? Let me write it down. If you're writing down and just taking notes to fill in the blanks because you're obsessive about filling in the blanks, you're, that's great. But that's not the purpose. The reason is to intersect with God's truth and be transformed with it and engage it and say, God, can you help me see clearly? Can you help me take an honest evaluation by faith of my life and what you want with me? That's what God does in his truth, to engage your heart. Now, Paul takes an interesting turn here. So he says, you want to discern God's will? You've got to be in his presence. You've got to Renew and see the way God wants you to see it. But first, you need to make sure that you're being spiritually honest and evaluating yourself by God's truth in your life and his transforming truth and knowing that he wants the best for you. And then he says, you can't do that by yourself. He turns this corner immediately into this scripture where he says, discerning isn't something you do on your own. It's a community thing. Discerning is where we discover God's best together. You're going to need other people. This is what he says 
in verse 4 and 5. He says, he says, so you want to discern God's will? You got to make an honest evaluation of yourself. And he says, oh, and by the way, I want you to understand how you operate as a spiritual family. If you've come into Christ's presence, if you're saying, God, you lead me, you're part of his family. He says, this is the way that works. Just as our bodies have many parts, fingers and toes and eyes and nose, all with different special functions, so it is with Christ's body. He goes on to say, as we as many parts of one body, in other words, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're not just doing it on your own, independently discerning your own way. He says, you're part of a bigger family, and you have a special function, and God wants a special purpose for your life. And if you find that special purpose, and as you walk in that purpose for your life, you will thrive, but you're going to need others to be a part of it. He said, we all belong to one another. Elsewhere, he actually says that we are like the sinew, the, the, as part of our body, we're like the sinews that hold everything together, that Christ holds together, and we actually give Christ to each other. See, that's our purpose. You can't discern God's will on your own. Even though you want to and you think it's just my problem and i got to do it on my own, you need others. Let me tell you why. Let me give you a really quick instance of why. So I, I grew up in a house where my dad's, my dad's role in our house was basically my way or the highway. Now, I love my dad, but that's just the way he was, my way or the highway. So you can sit in God's transforming truth. This is the point. We're going somewhere with this. That you can sit in God's transforming truth. You can read the scripture, but here's what I want to tell you. You're not reading God's truth clearly by yourself. You're reading God's truth through your experience, through your clouded lens, through the way you see it. So give me an example. My dad always said, my, kind of my way or the highway. So I read the scripture once, right? This is Jesus' words. If you love me, obey me. Now, let me tell you what my interpretation of that was. If you don't obey me, I don't love you, you're out. If you make a mistake, hit the highway, Jack. That's what it's going to take. You got to obey me. That's what it's going to take. Until I sat with my friends. And I told them my struggle. I'm like, I don't get this. Like, I, I, Jesus, Jesus knows more than I do, but I don't get this. And they said, Sean, repeat what you said aloud to yourself. Like, here, listen to your own words. He said, they said, I think what Jesus is really saying is, you can't obey your way into a relationship, but you can love your way into obedience. Right? You can't obey your way into love, but you can love your way into obeying. That's what Jesus is saying. If you love me, you'll obey. It'll just happen. And if you don't, you won't. And I want, this is why you need others in your life. You don't see clearly. And discernment, your decisions matter because they lead you to the abundance that God has for you. You need the bigger picture. That's why we tell you all the time, get in a small group. Get connected here at Daybreak. Don't just come on Sunday. Get connected with other people who can speak this into your life. We want you to have that connection, centered relationships that are centered around Christ to help you see clearly. You know, even Jesus didn't go it alone. He could have. He gathered 12 guys around him. He invested into them. He said it's important to be together. So let's get back to this question. How do I know it's really me? God, is that you or is it me? How do I really know? I want to leave you with this. There's, so there's this um, book that I read 20-some years ago. It's by a guy named Henry, by 
an author named Henry Blackaby. He was a pastor. And um, in that book, it's called Experiencing God. What I loved about that book and has become a framework for me for the last 25 years of my life in discerning God's will for my life. What I love about it is basically he says, there are a few ways that you can actually, that God has given us a framework through his Holy Spirit to live in his presence. To not try to live, like, I'm going to get the information and I'm going to go live my life. No, no, you can live in his presence, always attentive to the, and the reality that God is always at work around you. Here's what he says, and this is kind of the summary of his conclusions after studying all of the scripture. He says, God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit, and these ways have been over and over again through his word, through the scriptures, the transforming truth, through prayer, when I'm seeking him and really trying to hear his voice, through the church, through the people, that's what Paul's saying in your life, and through the circumstances of life. Now, here's what we do. We, we kind of cherry pick out of that list, don't we? Here's what we do all the time. We just go with the last one. God speaks to me, well, through the circumstances of life, right? So we interpret things to decide what that means. We say things like, oh, it's an open door or a closed door. And it very well might be, but the problem is your lenses are dirty. You can't possibly know that just by looking at it. And so I've actually heard people say stuff, you've done this, right? You're going to do the same example that I gave you. You're going to think, oh, yeah, I've done that in some way or another. I've heard people say things like, you know, I've been praying over, like, whether God wants to have a a sports car. And I was driving the other day, and I was praying about this, and then I saw the sports car I wanted, and so I, I went, God, you must want me to have it now. Okay. You didn't think anybody else owned that sports car? Like, you're, you're the only one on the road with a sports car. You know what happens when you want something, right? You never see that car on the road until you have it or want it, and then you see it all the time because you're looking for it. Now, I'm not saying that that wasn't God speaking. I'm not limiting God. I mean, God has spoken throughout history through dreams and visions. I mean, in the Old Testament, he actually used a donkey to speak to somebody one time. So God's not limited by your comfort zone, Okay. But if you only use the circumstances of life, your lens is dirty and you're going to misinterpret. And you're going to put God's name on what you want. And then you're going to wonder why I don't have the thriving life because you're not stepping into what God wants. So the question is, like, are you in his transforming truth? When you're reading the scripture, are you asking yourself questions like, Am I resisting this? God, how am I resisting this? What would this look like, God, if this were true for my life? Are you journaling that so you have themes in your life so that when a circumstance comes, you've been in the transforming truth to say, I can go back and look. Does this align with the themes in my life? Are you praying about it and really being quiet and saying, God, how are you moving in me? How are you stirring in me? Are you checking in with your friends and going, you know, I'm hearing this. I'm seeking this the truth. I was sitting in Sunday's message and I heard this and What do you think about all that? Help me to understand. Because then when the circumstances come, what you do is you look for convergence, for alignment, to say, when I interpret this, what does all that other stuff do to help clear my lenses so I can see it clearly? I can understand it. And when you do that, you'll step into what God really wants for you. Now, will you get it wrong sometimes? Probably, but here's what I believe. 
If you do all of that, you'll get your trajectory headed in the right direction. And any misstep you take that's not quite the very best step, God's goodness is so strong because you're headed in His direction and His Spirit is moving, He'll make the best of it. It'll still be a whole lot better than just trying to figure it out on your own. There's a lot of things that can keep us from that. Maybe you feel like, I I don't know, I'm kind of new at all this. Maybe you feel like, I'm so busy, Sean, I don't have time for all of that. No time to live the abundant life, the great life that God has for you. Maybe, Maybe you're just like, I feel like God's so distant, I don't even know what to make of that. Here's what I want to tell you. God wants you to be with him. And I'm not saying that's easy. I'm just saying it's the best life you'll ever have. And so you have to decide, do you want that? Is your, could your life be better? Could it be the life that God only dreamed of? Then get into his presence. And here's my challenge to you this week. Will you make a decision? Will you take one of the decisions, one of the things you're trying to discern, and will you make this decision? I'm going to decide not to decide until I discern. I'm going to decide not to decide until I discern. Now, we have some great tools for you, and you can even ask for, you can get your response card out, and you can ask for prayer today. You can ask, here's what I need to discern. But if you go out to sacredsearch.db.church, there's actually a little video you can watch on discernment. Just another way of approaching discernment. I want to challenge you to sit with it, to gather some friends around you in that decision, to take the time to decide not to decide until you discern. But don't just not decide. Use a process of discernment to be in God's presence to let him help you see it the way he sees it. So I'm going to take a moment and pray. But I'm, going to, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads right now with me and put your chin on your chest in a moment of quiet. And I want you to ask God this question in this moment of quiet. God, where is my lens dirty? Where is there a decision that needs to be made that I need to decide not to decide? Where do you want me to stop and pause and seek you? It's going to give you a moment of quiet to listen for God's Lord Jesus, will you speak to us this morning? Will you help us have the courage to push pause? Decide not to decide until we discern. Will you be our shepherd? Because you promised to be our shepherd. You promised to lead us in the way everlasting. You said, I have come that you might have a life better than you've ever dreamed of. Lord Jesus, help us to live the life that's better than we've ever dreamed of by seeking your presence, by leaning into your leadership, by saying, Jesus, I don't, I don't want to do this on my own. I need you. We surrender ourselves to that this morning. In Jesus' name.